Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin, and today I will be sitting down with LaRue. Uh, aka Ellie Jackson and it's a great chat um, I was absolutely thrilled to get to spend an hour with Ellie and and we chat we chat music we chat growing up school creative journeys um, it's a it's a wonderful chat and um, just quickly before we get on with the episode I just want to say um, thank you to 76 for producing this podcast um, thank you to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And if you do enjoy this episode, and, and importantly, if this is the first time you've listened to Off the Beaten Track, then go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's nearly 100 episodes now of chats with some amazing musicians, producers, actors. Um, so go and have a, a little explore over there. And and if that's not enough, then I also have a Patreon page where I put out a standalone episode just for Patreons each week as well. So if you want to go and have a look at that, you can support the podcast there. Uh, you can find out about everything to do with this podcast on offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Um, and if you still need some heads up for podcasts, then why not check out www.podbiblemag.com, which is a magazine that... Uh, myself, Scribbish Pip, and Adam Richardson put together, which is a a guide to to podcasts, and it also has a an accompanying podcast, which sees me, Pip, and Adam chatting to some of the most famous faces in the podcast scene, and they will be telling us about the podcasts that they like and and their own podcasts. So go and check that out. That's podbiblemag.com. But let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with Larue. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable, and water-based inks. And in addition to that, 
They only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we're recording. We are at uh, WeWork Building in East London, and it's it's a proper dismal day out there. It's uh, it's it's a little bit wet, um, but uh, yeah, a ray of sunshine as uh, as as walked in. Um, it's Ellie Jackson. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You're right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, like you say, it's pretty miserable, isn't it? You got lost, didn't you? Yeah, I just well, I didn't. I basically wasn't. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just through there, through that window, but I thought I was lost. Yeah, I was uh, having a bit too much fun hanging out on Ravy Street, I yeah. think. And then I dropped my sandwich on the floor and my umbrella and got annoyed with Google Maps. You know, the usual. It's not that Ravy, Ravy Street today, it's is not, it? is it? No, I'd say it's the opposite of Ravy yeah. right now. <laughs> it's like angry. I was, I was angry when I was there. <laughs> well, thanks ever so much for giving up some time today to come and have a chat. No worries. Thanks for having me. And... Uh, and we, we'll talk about the, the album that's out and we'll talk about all other stuff. But I always start this podcast with the song that has the greatest ever intro. Right. Uh, yeah, which was very, very, very quick for me to decide. I did have a little moment where I nearly chose Head Over Heels and then I thought, what's the point? Um. <laughs> Do you know what? Oh, can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about it, yeah. <laughs> did you watch the documentary? No, I don't think so. On the iPlayer got put up last week, the making of songs on a big chair. What? Yeah. I didn't even know about that. Oh Are you joking? God. Are you being amazing. serious? Yeah. Oh my God, that's my Friday night story. And, uh, and it's got Ian Stanley <coughs> talking about no. that. And, and literally, it's that intro no. that I was waiting for for the whole doc. And it's like, but they, they, they talk about the hurting first, and then it gets to, to big chair. And then, obviously, you just think, come on, get to the piano lick at the beginning. I'm of so glad you just told me this. This is going to be my it's whole weekend. It's so good. It's so good. I can so see myself good. watching it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in for a treat there. Okay, amazing. But, Thank um, you. but no one's chose that, and I don't know why, because it will probably it's be, obvious, it'll be up it? there for me. Well, it's the only reason I didn't choose it is because I thought, you know, people know it so well, and I always try and think, what, what could I maybe possibly show somebody that yeah. they don't already know that's yeah. amazing, just, just as amazing as that? However amazing it is, you know, everyone who loves it, it's like preaching to the converted. They already yeah. love it. They already know it. It's just an obvious choice. I think, you know, for another young, slightly younger generation, it came in again with Donnie Darko, you mm. know, the beginning of Donnie Darko. Um, but I, I didn't choose that, even though it's amazing. I chose um, 
And that's no lie by Heaven 17, which is equally amazing, but much longer. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a monster intro, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And I don't know really where the intro ends for me, because for me, the intro is still happening when it, the guitar comes in and goes... Because that's the bit that I'm waiting for. But, um, yeah, it's a very long intro. But it's really worth it, because then when those chords do come in... Yeah. Oh, the payoff is <laughs> unreal. <laughs> well... I mean, you've obviously had to go back and discover Heaven 17 because that was kind of what was happening when I was like 10 years old and I'm yeah. way older than you. Um, how did that come about? Sort of, obviously, I can hear lots of things that have influenced your music from yeah, yeah. 80s synth pop and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, was that something that you always liked or was that something that you went back and discovered? Um, it was actually just, I don't really listen to that much 80s music in that sense anymore weirdly I can't really tell you what genre I do listen to but I know it's not that like if I went into my discover weekly it's there's I don't think there'd be a single 80s track which is I think for a lot of people would be weird but I think it's also you have to remember that there's only so long in one's life you can like listen to the same style of music and of also course. I do so much research with music I literally do know every nook and cranny of every area that I choose to be excited about so I, when I say I rinsed it, I'm really mean I rinsed it. But whilst I did a lot of discovery on my own afterwards, the original discovery came from Ben Langmade, who I made the first record mm -hmm. with. I mean, he was old enough in the 80s, not that old, but he was old enough in the 80s, you know, teenager to to know all that music. Um, and he still had a kind of obsession with it when he'd gotten older as well. It hadn't gone away. Um, and that was one of the main things that we connected on. You know, yeah. that was the basis of our friendship. Um, and he taught me, he showed me this track by Heaven 17. He thought it was amazing as well, and I still think it's amazing. It still reminds me of the day when he first played it to me. We were sat in his living room, and he was like, you'll absolutely love this, you've got to check it out. And I just yeah. remember being like, you've just played me one of my favourite tunes of all time, you know. And then when I met Heaven 17, it was like, just blew my mind, yeah. you know, because they'd become such legends in my mind. I didn't even, to me, especially in like the noughties, 2006, 2007, eight, whatever it was, that, I can't believe it's that long ago, <laughs> it really freaks me out. <laughs> um, but, you know, then, to me, the 80s were, were a long time ago. They weren't, but they also still were. Yeah. And the idea that these people were still kind of alive yeah. <laughs> and able to talk to yeah, them, yeah, yeah. you know, and it didn't seem like that. You can tell when you talk to them as well, the 80s don't feel like that long ago yeah. to them as well. So it's like they've brought the 80s. When you talk to them, yeah. it's like they're bringing the 80s closer to you, yeah. which felt amazing. But so, when yeah. you think of the difference, when you think like that and you think of, like, just 20 years from the 60s to the 80s, it's mad, isn't it? And when you think like from eighties to now, he's double that. Yeah. It's well, like, also I realised since my first album came out and now is the whole length of the eighties. Yeah. Don't think like that. It's not yeah, good. That is really <laughs> fucking freaks me out. <laughs> I assume I can swear. Can I swear? I just yeah, swear. Okay, good. Just um, so <coughs> I say is like in, in regards to like intros and stuff like that, and, and, and you know, we, we Heaven Seventeen and Tears for Fears, like they're. Their albums are, are, are completely as Songs on a Big Chair for me is something that is a perfectly put together album. You know, um, you don't get albums like that anymore. Sorry, I hate to be that person that's saying that, but well, you don't. This is where I want to go with don't. it. So when you put together your the, the recent album, obviously apart from me, I'm a genius. Obviously, obviously. yeah. <laughs> um, 
And so when you put together your track listing, do yeah. you, because obviously now that people listen to music in a very different way insofar as they'll cherry pick tracks from iTunes rather than you, know, you buy the album, do you still, when you're making the album, create it as a piece of art, as a, a body of work, and do you put lots of time into track listing to be, and you want it to be listened to as one? 100%, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that anywhere near the amount of time and detail has gone into any of my albums as it has, say, like the big chair. I mean, although the second album did take five years and there is a lot of detail in that album, I still forget get the level of detail that's in some of the tracks, you know, like some of the little tiny parts that come in just for a second in Let Me Down Gently or Silent Partner or whatever that were just designed for that specific moment. They're not just a chord thing that just runs through the song. Like, there's a lot of detail in that record. And there's detail in this record, but it's in a very different way. It's in a less, like, this moment just needs this kind of thing, you know? And I think also I've never made an album in the same way where you're thinking about how one track ends and then it... I would do it live. I do it live all the time. We really think about how one outro goes into one intro and the transitions is not something we've worked out on this tour yet, but on the last tour we kind of remade the end of songs and then remade sections to carry on yeah. to kind of introduce the next song so that they could mix into each other and stuff. I, I find that those details are what set some people apart and I think it does really make something more interesting and I think in something like Songs from the Big Chair and a couple of other albums I can think of, um, there's that real attention to detail of how it runs, like you say. It's, it's, a, it's meant to be... Uh, a journey you know yeah. whereas whilst yes that is really important to me and I think about it and all the rest of it I'm not going to sit here and say that from writing the first track to writing the last track I've got this journey in mind the journey shows itself to me when I've written the tracks but I also only write the tracks that you've ever heard of my albums I would say there's three half written songs that are they're all of everything that's ever been in the bin from LaRue. You know, yeah. like we're not talking about there being a hundred songs that I didn't use, even 20, even 10. There are not songs I didn't use. There's only songs I went to write and then I stopped halfway through the chord sequence of writing or halfway through the melody because I knew it wasn't as good as my other ideas. So I yeah. just stop. Um, but yes, I do think that if you're going to put an album out, what I don't understand about now, the, the modern culture, is that Everyone cherry picks. I cherry pick from Spotify. I do it all the time. I, I haven't listened to... The only albums I tend to listen to are, weirdly, are instrumental albums and, um, like, African and dub albums and stuff like that. I listen to all the way through. I would listen to certain albums from back in the day all the way through, but I think... Like you say, there's only certain... It's not that people have lost interest in listening to albums all the way through. It's just that only certain albums are good enough to actually listen all the way through. Yeah. They're actually worth you bothering listening all the way through. Because let's be honest, it's not that people have lost interest. It's that the people making the music have lost interest in making anything apart from one or two hits because it, get, it keeps their mortgage. Yeah. You know, they can pay their mortgage off of one track rather than making ten. And I think the difference is that the loss of artistry in pop music, it's not artistry, it's populism, you know? That's the difference. And I think if you really still care about the artistry behind your pop music, you'll be making an album that's got what you believe to be seven, eight, nine, ten tra tracks that are pretty much all as good as each other. Um, but I don't, I don't, I just don't, I listen to music now and I, don't, you know, modern pop albums and I just don't feel like anyone gives a crap. 
about what what the other eight tracks are, yeah. you know, as long as they've got the two that they're going to sell the album with. And I just can't, I can't, I don't understand how you can make tracks that you're not enjoying making as much as the other tracks, because I only make music to enjoy it. Yeah. So I'm like, why would you sit there in a studio and write with 10 people some crap song that you don't even like? Yeah. I just don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I think if you make music because you enjoy it, like that's gonna come across right. You can't fake. You that. can't fake it. It's yeah. not possible. You can't listen to something that sounds like, like there's a track. I think it's my favorite track on this album, called "Everything I Live For." You can hear what I'm. You can hear that I'm like, oh wait, fucking hell, you've got it. Like yeah. you sorted it out. You sorted your life out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Imagine if I was in the studio with like ten guys in Sweden, and I was like, "Yeah, let's write a track about like me like sorting my life out." Do you talk and, like, about that in the studio? Yeah, I do. When I'm <laughs> when I'm that much of a dick and I'm in Sweden, that's how they all talk in the studio. Um, imagine I only talk to my cat in the studio, but this is how people talk. This is how people write songs. They write them like they're writing adverts, yeah. you know, like they're writing advertising, and they're like, "Yeah, it's really popular at the moment." The theme of like this and this and this. That's how they talk. They talk like they're right, making business, yeah. you know. And then people wonder well, why it are. sounds like that. They are, yeah. you know. And then people wonder why it just sounds like somebody banging out the same fucking four chords with somebody shouting over it about something that doesn't sound real. I mean, it's not rocket science. Why people are like, if I can't connect. If I can't connect, it's because there's nothing to connect to. It's not because I'm being a harsh judge of pop music. Yeah. And that I really resent that as well. It's almost like yeah. people are saying, oh, it's because you think you're so much better. I'm like, no, whether I made music or not, I would think this pop music is crap. Yeah. You know, so it's just so getting away yeah. from it. I agree with you completely. Thank you. <laughs> Track two, Ellie. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? This one was difficult because, actually, no... Mm, it's difficult because obviously it's hard to remember that early in your life, but there were two, and I don't mind which we play, but I feel like it's really hard to pick between them. Jerry Rafferty was the main one I picked, which is right down the line, because I used to be in my mum's 2CV when I was younger. And shout out to 2CV. Shout out to the 2CV. <laughs> Loved it. It was a purple and black one with a grey um, uh, quilted interior. It's nice. really nice. Um, and my mum used to have a tape deck in there and we had the Jerry Rafferty City to City tape and I just it looks like the most middle of the road dad album you've ever seen in your whole life I mean you just look at it and look at his name and his face yeah. and everything and you just think why does she like this guy <laughs> I've seen people do it to me they're like really him and I'm like yeah really him I honestly think he's a fucking genius mm. I think some of his songs if you actually listen not to Baker Street Listen to the other songs. There's loads of them. There's like three great albums. There's like Night Owl, Sleepwalking or whatever it's called. It's really good. And his voice connected with me so quickly at such a young age. It was like the texture of his voice has actually been more influential to me than any other vocalist, I would say, almost on the planet, which people don't get. And if you listen to his double tracking and you listen to my double tracking, you'll understand why I double track my voice. It's all because of him. I used to ask my dad, what is that? How does his voice sound like that? And he used, my dad used to be like, it's double tracking. you know. And that's when I was just instantly wanted to double track. I wanted to do what Joe Rafferty did. And that, my voice, LaRue doesn't sound like LaRue unless I double track. It's really odd. It's partly why live never quite cuts it for me vocally. Um, but I think that song right down the line specifically, that whole album, but that song right down the line, it was like I knew what it was like to fall in love and be broken hearted at the same time. Um, 
I always ask people what the emotion was, and that's never been answered as wonderfully as that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was just. It's weird when you're like, I don't know how old I was, like five or six. It's weird when you're like. I mean, I've totally believe that I've already lived before anyway, so it's not that weird to me. But I just felt like I knew. I was five, and I just remember feeling like I knew what it was like. And then I started writing songs about people leaving me in the middle of the night when I was like ten, like my husband leaving me. My mum was like, "Where are you getting this from? This is weird. Like your songs are quite dark for a ten-year-old." Um, but I just really became obsessed with that, like idea of heartache I guess just the whole thing of like loving somebody but like having to let them go or something which I've had to do recently and it's it's been it's it's horrible but it's it's like the drama of life do you know what I mean like where you're like oh I don't even want this but I have to accept it is that really a thing yes it is it's fucking shit um and I think that emotion at a young age like just feeling like I knew what it was like for him to be there for this person for this woman like he is in the song, uh, just really got me. Um, I mean, it still does now. I have to be very careful with how many times I listen to that song per year because I don't want it to lose its, yeah, you know, like thing. Overkill, but yeah. yeah, but it's it's the only song I won't overkill in my whole life. It's yeah. like it's a, it's in a golden box for me, and it mustn't be touched, you know. So you mentioned you was writing songs about your husband leaving you when yeah. you were ten. Interesting, considering I'm gay. Um. <laughs> 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 um, how was like, when you say you was writing songs then what was you doing just melodies in your head was you playing instruments was I was you... playing guitar uh, my dad taught me because my dad used to play guitar and he, well he still does um, and he's a fucking amazing guitarist like he plays very differently to me he plays a lot he's obsessed with blues and like boogie woogie and like blind blake and uh, really loves folk as well, um, but it's that kind of early bluegrass stuff that he really, really, really loves. Mm. He collects old bluegrass records. He's got an old Martin guitar from like 1949 wow. or something that was like amazing. Um, so he he was really obsessed with all that stuff. So I, I, it wasn't easy to escape that as a yeah. child, you know, um, and I didn't want to. Um, he took me to see Chuck Berry, took us all to see Chuck Berry when I was like five, six or something. I remember wearing my Lion King pyjamas there. <laughs> it's just that's my main memory of it, is that I wore my Lion King pyjamas. Amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I know, I just wanted to play guitar like Chuck Berry and all the people that he'd been playing me. And, yeah. like, you know, I thought Buddy Holly was the coolest thing that I'd ever lived. I wanted to be Buddy Holly. Yeah. You know, it's partly where the quiff and stuff comes from. It's all the rock and roll stuff from being a kid. Really? Yeah, totally, yeah. Uh, but people don't really get it because I don't really go on about the rock and roll thing. I mention it, but I just it doesn't have this. I don't know. It just doesn't have the same. Um, people don't remember it as much, I guess. Um, or they just prefer to remember the story that they made up. I get that a lot in yeah. my career. They prefer to think it's all about Bowie and Tilda and stuff. Yeah. And it just isn't. I didn't know who either of them were until I was 19. So right. I'm like, I, I don't know how that would yeah. happen. Um, I didn't get brought up with that kind of thing or 80s music. So, so you mentioned about the the. The, the blues and, 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 and bluegrass and stuff, uh, was there sort of, aside from like, you know, you, you, your dad sort of playing guitar and stuff, was there lots of music on at home all the time growing up? I feel like there was, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there was. There's a record player set up in the living room and it wasn't one of those ones that people don't use, you know, it got used a lot. Um, it, I remember 
I, the only 80s thing I really remember getting played a lot was Eurythmics. My God, my mum loved that record. And mm. that must have obviously um, bobbed off on me, you know. But it was like always the best of. It wasn't like a specific yeah. album or anything. Um, it's a good entry point, though, isn't it, a best yeah, of? Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't really like any of the Eurythmics albums. <laughs> Asshole album, I'm really sorry. I love Eurythmics, sorry. Um, uh, Nor do I. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> like them. I really don't like them, and I don't like the solo records. I just There's so much of that stuff I don't like. The best of, brilliant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help it. I'm sorry, but it just puts all the good tracks in one place. You yep. have to listen to all the bad ones. Feels so bad saying that, but sorry, for some acts, it's true. Um... <laughs> and they're one, they're one of them. Um, anyway, so yeah, a lot of that. A lot of Stevie Wonder. My God, my parents liked Stevie Wonder. Yeah. We, but I mean, it was just Stevie Wonder Central. And that, that's finally come out in this record. I feel mm. like I got my Stevie Wonder moment at the end of Other Side. That's what I did at the end of Other Side. That's me being as Stevie as I can. Yeah. But not didn't mean to it just happened and then I, when I was writing the and I was doing that and I was playing it with the pitch bend and I was like this, this is Stevie if you ever need yeah. to go you can stop after this <laughs> um, but yeah I, I there's a lot of Stevie Wonder a lot of soul a lot of Motown you know I was even at my parents house the other night and the Motown album was on again you know there's just they've been playing that Motown album since I was about five it's, which one is it it's, again, it's just like a compilation yep. of the Motown album. Yep. It's just like, Gross. it's not, it's nothing, you know. It's one of the only records we had in our house. Yeah, Motown it's, Chartbusters. Yeah, it's great. I'm sorry. But, you know, um, you know, stuff like, oh, one of my favourite songs of all time is, um, this old heart of mine. I knew you was going to say that. I knew you was going to say the Isley Brothers. A, it's just fucking one of the best songs that. ever. Has been ever. mentioned on so many of these podcasts. Yeah, because it's the best song ever. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's a perfect record, the Isley Brothers. It is absolutely perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, track three. Song that reminds you of your time at school. Oh, yeah, this is funny. I nearly chose um, uh, SL2 on a rugger tip because it was just that time. Yeah. It was just that time. But I just thought I have to choose something that's a little bit... Jamaican because I grew up in Brixton and everything that was po- everything that was popular around that time seemed mm. to have a bit of that like reggae ragga mm. Jamaican-y flavour yeah. to it and I obviously those tunes were really popular in my area and yeah. all the kids at my school loved all those tunes they're so doing the raps in the playgrounds and stuff like that so um, it had to be something like that and then I just thought maybe it needs to be Chakademus and Pliers. I mean, it could have been anything, really. It could have been yeah. I Saw the Sign by Ace of Base. It could have been yeah. all sorts of things. But I feel like that that kind of, that, it's that, it's that vibe. That's what reminds yeah. me of being in the playground, yeah. There was lots of music like that coming out of that era, wasn't there? A it? lot, yeah. Shaggy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> it's just all that stuff, but yeah. it was like, it was really fun, silly mm. pop music. Yeah. Actually had really good riffs and hooks. Yeah. Really good little melodies. It was also unaggressive. Yeah. Really happy, cheery pop music, which... I also miss mm. in pop music. It doesn't all have to be classy and great and artisty. You know, mm. some of it can just be silly and fun, and that's yeah. what what pop music should be as well. Yeah. You know, I, and I feel like the people like Little Mix are the only people doing anything that's just silly and fun and innocent. Yeah. You know, everything else seems to have this kind of horrible aggression about it, and I don't understand why. Um, I think you know, silly fun pop tracks are really necessary, um, and. Yeah, Chakademus and Pliers definitely did it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Just loved that as a kid. Absolutely loved it. So how uh, uh, was school? Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. School was okay up until... Well, I got bullied a lot. Like, I nearly moved schools three times when I was 
yeah, before I was like 10, which wasn't great. Um, I mainly got bullied by like one person and then it just made my life difficult. I think one of them had one kid basically at school had noticed something about my sexuality from a really young age and was like shouting it everywhere before I had had was you know I was years away from coming to terms with it or understanding it I thought lesbians were the most terrifying things on the whole face of the planet you know um but I was like please don't call me that <laughs> it's not funny yeah. um and I just basically just used to get called a fat lesbian until I was about 10 uh which I didn't enjoy um I did find school really difficult in lots and lots of ways but I also I also enjoyed it in lots of ways and I did have some good friends so it's like it's a balance isn't it yeah. I guess yeah was you a creative kid? Yeah, I was. I, well, I was playing guitar a lot. You know, that was the main thing. I was mainly just an annoying kid, I think. Why I was, you mean, I was you mean? so full on. Like, she was show off. Oh, big, massively. Oh, I was so annoying. Oh, my God. I was like, I thought I was the business. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. also incredibly insecure, just like yeah. now. So I like, think I'm the bee's knees, but also I'm like, so painfully insecure. Yeah. It's kind of a weird combination. I think. I feel like now I'm closer to my childhood self. Like, when I was about seven, all I used to do was wear, like, Arsenal T-shirt and tracksuit trousers and trainers. And I've literally gone back into my style now. Yeah. Like since, And I used to have, like, I used to have suede tra trainers. And I'm yeah. wearing suede vans. And I've just become obsessed with, like, tracksuits. Yeah. And multicoloured, basically. Yeah. And I don't really care about looking, like suave or anything like that anymore it's like i just want to be chilled out and happy like i was when i was seven and it's really working yeah. i can't explain it yeah i feel like i just feel really chilled about everything like there's that's nothing good. that stresses me out i'm like oh whatever yeah you know um i feel happier in my body and my skin and my clothes i just feel that's better what it's about. i feel like it's nice as well i feel like now i can separate myself from larue in a way that is much healthier i think yeah. You know, like I don't, ha I don't have to be in the room right now. It's fine. Yeah. You know, that's much easier. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know, like everyone's childhood, you know, you have good days and bad days. The creativity was was that encouraged <coughs> at school? Um, no, it wasn't. That's what I was going to say a minute ago, and then I went off on a tangent. Basically, I right. you wanted to talk about your sweatpants. Yeah, that's cool. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like that. Um, and not really. It wasn't rejected but at the same time like for instance I really wanted to come in with my friend and play I had a Stratocaster and I really wanted to come in and play the stuff I'd learned in guitar and like play Buddy Holly songs I'd learned and stuff because I felt like I wanted to show it to the class that I'd learned it mm. and my teachers were just like it was like months they were just like you're a night no not don't know there's no time to do this in the classroom and I was like but this is what I'm good at and I'm not yeah. really good at school so can I come and show you what I am good at but you're not interested in the academic side Do of it I, much. No, God, I'm you. I'm absolutely crap at academia. I mean, I'm just rubbish at it. I can't. If I don't find it really fascinating, it's not that I'm not good at it. I'm not stupid. You know, it's nothing like that. I don't have confidence issues with my intelligence or anything like that. But I, I am very dyslexic, but not with English. I've got like numeracy dyslexia. And I've got like organisational dyslexia. Like. Uh, something I don't really I can't remember what they call it I don't really care but it's school for people like me is always going to be a nightmare it's just always is you know for school works for some people it doesn't work for others I'm one of those people that it doesn't work for I knew where my strengths lay and lie now and there's no there are no classes for that there's no exam for that for being like emotionally wise and 
being able to write really good melodies and play instruments. Like it, in or you know, if there is a class for it, you have to be able to read music and prove it. So it's, bollocks, isn't it? it's fucking load of bullshit. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's it's just one of those things. It was very hard not to be angry and to carry that anger through into my adulthood as well after school because I was so angry at so many people. I was so angry at teachers. I was so angry. It's just like you made me feel like a fucking dick for fucking 10 years 20 years thanks you know thanks for making me feel like a useless just useless yeah. you know um just because i couldn't prove myself within your realm and yeah. when actually i've done better than everyone i ever met at school ever hello i've interrupted the podcast again haven't i sorry it won't take a sec all i want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Was, was that a, a drive to kind of... Big time. You know, That's when... partly why I annoyed my teachers so much, because I just I knew it as well. I used to be like, I'm not doing this. I remember once I had a massive argument with my maths teacher, secondary school, Perfectly nice guy, but he was getting us to do all this algebra crap. And I was like, oh, if you can tell me one life scenario where I fucking need this, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll do all the work you tell me to do. If yeah. you can tell me one life scenario where I need it, I'll do it. Because we all know I'm not good in time for maths to even do this at A level, let alone yeah. at university or anywhere else. So yeah. I'm not going to continue this. You're just wasting my... You're just making me feel stupid for no reason, basically. And he was like... 
come on, Ellie, da, 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 you know. And then he said, well, you know, tried to find some bollocks example. And I was like, well, that's never going to, that's never going to fucking happen. And I was just like, just admit that you, we don't need this at all. And you're ju- just making us do it purely so that you can get ticked off at the end of the year. I can get ticked off at the end of the year. And it goes on some sheet that will go in a file for the rest of my life. And no one will ever look at it. Just don't lie to me. I can't handle it. Don't tell me I need this when I don't need it. Yeah. And he was like, Ellie, come with me. And he took me out of the class. And he's like, you can't say stuff like that because you're going to take all the way the impetus of all the kids because you're right, because mm. you're absolutely right. And I was like, just, you're just, all you're doing is making me feel crap yeah. every, every single day because I can't do these tasks. I'm, I can't I'm do it. I'm having this with my 14 year old daughter right now. It's not on. And I just keep saying to her, it doesn't matter. It doesn't you're matter. You're creative as hell. You will <laughs> succeed in something where you will never need to worry about speaking French or doing that. But don't how worry. hard is it when you're 14, 15, to understand that you all can't. those years, they don't mean anything, yeah. that you basically, you just have to get through them now. Yeah. And every day, my mum just used to say, it's only another year, it's yeah. only another two years. My mum was amazing about it, you know. Yeah. They were like, it doesn't matter what happens at school, it matters what happens here, yeah. you know. But it's, and I've, my godson actually is going through this right now. He's just been tested for dyslexia and he's severely, severely dyslexic and he just feels so dumb. Yeah. Bless him. I was crying on the phone with his mum the other day and she's just like, I don't know what to do. He feels so stupid. He's got another spelling test tomorrow. He knows he's going to fail it and he just feels awful. And I'm just like, this is still, why is this still happening? Yeah. It's I, just I think not the whole right. school system needs to be addressed. It's I like, agree. You know, we, we, there's such a, What's, what's now becoming, a, you know, more understood, like huge epidemic of, of anxiety and, mm. and, and, you know, and, and lack of well-being and whatnot. That comes from a lot of places, and I think that infrastructure in the school system doesn't necessarily help. I actually it's starting to think there should be two kinds of schools. So when you're ten or eleven, you do this test. It's like a half dyslexia verbal reasoning test, a half academic test, a half creative test. It's just it would just be a load of things in one yeah. thing. And it would split you into two or three groups. Now, a lot of people could say that was unhealthy. I have only just thought about this right now. So don't like, (laughs) don't get annoyed if it's all wrong. (laughs) But the general idea would just be that there's two kinds of schools, you know, like your kind of more creative academy type things where you learn apprenticeships, you do carpentry, you do hands-on work, you do music, you do art, you do media, you do all that bollocks. And then somewhere else where you do history, geography, French, Mm -hmm. Spanish, biology, all that stuff that other people are fucking brilliant at and we really need in society, you know. But them learning in the same place, it's never going to work. Yeah. It's never going to work. Track four. First song you remember buying from a record shop? Now, I don't actually remember ever going into a record shop, but I do remember the first... I feel like I remember the first... I couldn't remember if it was Nelly Hot in here or <laughs> or Still by Dre. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was Still by Dre because that's the cooler answer and a better good, track to good play. Good intro as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It actually is. Really good intro. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I had it on CD single and it had yeah. that cowboy tune on the other side, mm. which was also quite good and I totally forgot about it so you say you've never been in a record shop so what would you have bought your CDs no, no, from maybe I did I don't I just don't remember yeah you know like it I wasn't like a record buying kid I've never yeah. been that person well you wouldn't it wouldn't have really been vinyl when you was growing up uh, would it no, it was CD it, it culture wasn't, yeah it was boring and it was also like I didn't really 
I wouldn't really have, weirdly, I wouldn't have been passionate enough about music that was coming out when I was a kid to go and buy it because I used yeah. to listen to old music from when I was little, little. Yeah. So I wasn't, modern music was like, I just thought it was a bit of a joke. Even when I was 11, I thought it was yeah. a joke. This is the thing. I've been yeah. like... Old before you know, years. Yeah, I've been, yeah. Um, I've been like this forever. You know, I've, I've always felt like this. I remember my parents buying me like a Boys Own CD because they thought it was a Backstreet Boys or something. I was so upset. And I was just like, I don't want modern pop you, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't want it. My I used husband's to have, just left me. I'm heartbroken. Yeah, I'm heartbroken. I need something. <laughs> yeah. I, used to listen to, I used to listen to Doris Troy. Like, that's what yeah. I used to listen to when I was, like, 10. I used to listen to Doris Troy and, like, yeah. you know, the some of the artists from, like, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, all that, like, yeah. just that 60s stuff. That's what yeah. I liked. Um, I didn't I didn't like modern pop music, but you can't deny something like still, even as a even as a kid, I was like, Yeah, that's fucking sick. Yeah. Um but I, I guess I would have asked for it as a present yeah. or or maybe I got it for my birthday from one of my friends, but I don't ever remember caring or wanting to go into a shop and buy a C D when I was yeah. younger, you know, like it would have been our price or something, you know. Yeah. But as as you've got older, is that something <coughs> that do you like having a, a look around a record shop? I actually don't. I'm not going to lie, even now. Yeah. I, do, I weirdly don't. I I know you're like supposed to really love all that stuff if you're like really cool or whatever. And I just, I fucking don't. I don't. Was that the same voice as the Swedish yeah, guys that it were was, my yeah. Oh, right, okay. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it does them all. <laughs> just all the people I hate have that voice, basically. <laughs> Everyone I hate has got that voice. <laughs> you should hear my mum's one. She's like, that's got nothing like what I sound like. Um, Ellie! <laughs> no. Um, but I think. Uh, I, I like, first of all, right, this is where my insecurity comes out. I get in a record shop and I just, I feel hated and judged by the person that owns the record shop. I'm that person that feels like that because right. I've never been a digger and I feel like they're going, you're not a digger. Yeah. You're not a digger. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what you're looking sure for. You, you don't know why you're in they're here. Going, no, they're What's she going to be looking at? No, they're probably thinking she's fucking jarring and she's never released a good record because everyone in those shops hates pop music oh yeah they do <laughs> yeah think? they do yeah they do um i only buy i don't go i honestly don't go into these shops to have these experiences I, it's not like i've never been into a record shop of course yeah. i have but it's like i wouldn't i just feel like i'm i feel like i'm guessing i just feel like i'm guessing i feel like i'm you know, yeah, of course I've gone in and I've seen records I've wanted to buy. Like, the only records I really buy on vinyl is dub. I yeah. buy a lot of dub on vinyl. So if I go into a record shop and I see a really good Joe Gibbs thing I don't have, or I know a little bit about dub. So yeah. I would know what names to look for, what periods are going to be yeah. better than others. That's kind of... And disco I would as well. Yeah. But I've got every disco record I want to own, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, I wouldn't need to go and look for anything. And anything I really, really want, I buy it on Juno Records online, to be honest yeah. with you. I buy the vinyl online. Like, I, my, the last record I bought was the Derda Band, um, the Derda Band Somalia album before Christmas. There's, a, there's a, like a reissue. I don't even know if it's a reissue, actually. Um, it's like on brand new vinyl. And I bought that because I saw it come out. You know, so I bought that. But it's mainly just stuff I see or I know that I want and I'll go yeah. and order it. But I won't go and bother looking around a record shop, which yeah. is kind of weird. But And also when I have, I've gone, OK, I'm going to take a chance on four records and they're all crap. And yeah. I just think that was a waste of 30 quid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just you stick to what you know. I don't know that yeah. world. It's not my world. I bought a lot of vinyl in the, in the late, sort of late 80s when I, I got right into the kind of, oh, I guess off the back of our Bobby Brangle, right in all the swing beat stuff. 
and any cover that has some cool looking dudes on, I just thought that, that's, that, that's got to be good. And sometimes it is. No, it and it wasn't. That's the thing. Because <laughs> no, really Mickey bought me this album by the Chambers Brothers, which she was like, I just bought it because she's really good at this. She, she does this all the time. She'd just go into charity shops, record shops, and go, I'm just going to buy that based on the cover. And I'll be like, it's going to be awful. And it never is with her. Yeah. It never is. She bought me this album by the Chambers Brothers. It's fucking great. Um, but it's, you know, it's pretty rare. Also, I'm so picky. It's like, you know, unless I accidentally stumbled across inspiration information by Shuggy Otis, I'd be quite let down. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, unless yeah. it's like one of the best records I've ever heard, yeah. I'm like, mm. <laughs> Every time I do that kind of, because I, I DJ on Boogaloo like Mickey. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah, okay. Uh, and every time I go there, there's a few charity <coughs> shops as you walk up to Boogaloo. And I always pop in there and I think, oh, I'm going to find some gold today. It's just them really shit Top of the Pops compilation mm-hmm. albums from the 70s with like a bikini clad yeah. woman on the cover. Never find anything no. good. That's the thing. I look at stuff and I just think that's the crap Chic album. That's the crap Michael Jackson album. Yeah. That's the crap. It's like it's just the crap. Yeah. You know. That's why it's in a charity shop. That's People why don't it's want there. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go clubbing. A song that soundtrack your years in clubland, please, Ellie. Uh, this was actually tough. This was really tough because I really wanted to do both. And one of them was Funk by Jumpatarium. That was amazing. Funkatarium by Jump. <laughs> um, but I couldn't I couldn't do it to the fog because she's too close to my heart. You can have honourable mentions. That was my honourable mention. Okay. But I can't. I, I couldn't not pick. Uh, been a long time. I just, I just couldn't. I think it's... I've never forget when I heard this tune. Yeah. I, like, lost my mind. I was like, what the fuck is that bass line? Play it to me all day long. It is just incredible. And whenever I'd go and see, because whenever we were raving, it was really never, like, we were never buying tickets and going out in that sense. All of my sister's mates and our mates used to run, like, nights in London. So uh, one of them was pigeonholed. Um, And then we used to know all the people that, DJ that's a lot of the people that DJ that's so show a DJ called James Priestley and then we used to know all the secret Sundays lot as well so even though I was in like 18 all my mates were like in their late 20s 30s so you're getting exposed to some good stuff there I was getting exposed to some seriously seriously good yeah. stuff I got a real after shit school finished I got proper school uh, I got proper music rave schooled you know by people that were you know, actually there in the summer of love yeah. and then had still were still raving since and doing it well. And I think, you know, putting on massive warehouse parties where there's like three warehouses connected and, you know, famous DJs would sometimes turn up like late at night and, um, you know, we'd go for two, three days. It was it was full on. I think that's why I didn't need to rave for much longer after that. I was like, whew, I'm tired now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, I crammed it all into about two or three years. But yeah, we used to go out. It was mainly house music, which I'm not going to say that I'm really passionate about generally. It's not like I sit around and listen to house music. I don't, I don't buy house music records. But when we were out, it just... I, I did used to really like house music when we were out. I used to love dancing to it. Not if it was too flowery or anything like that, but a bit of hard, slightly more hardcore house music was quite nice. And I feel like this fits in that territory of solely quite hardcore house, really. Um, the vocal melodies are fucking brilliant. The bass lines, are, it's just, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. And it sums up every night I used to have 
we would always know the DJ, so I'd always be running up to the decks at some point and be going, if you don't fucking play the fog, I'm going to yeah. kill you. And they'd go, all right, all right, give me a couple of tunes, I'll put it in. So what did you want from, from clubbing at 18 years old? Everything. It was my, it was my, it was my life. It was my whole passion in life. I mean, I think anyone who's fallen in love with it that hard understands. You can't explain it to anybody. Obviously, there's drugs involved as well. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I was like sober the whole time. It was just about the music man because it wasn't. But I knew the combination of all those things. Ecstasy when you're 17 is a fucking. It's it's so romantic in a yeah. way you know it's like it's just I never wanted to come off it and I didn't for many days of the week yeah. often you know we used to do it for two three days a week and uh, the days that I was off it I would just be thinking about you know being back on it again not in an not in an addict destructive way you know it's I know I know a lot of people who don't take drugs will hear that and think it sounds awful like I'm a heroin addict or something it's just it just isn't like that it was just just the the dancing Joy. The happy, the joy, the happiness with friends, the feel of camaraderie, the feeling of community, the feeling of togetherness, the remembering the moments of like lying on the floor with ten people, you know, and just holding hands and feeling the base. And however gay that sounds, but it was just being like, oh my god, have you laid right here? Yeah, it's fucking great, <laughs> you know. Just those moments, you can't. I'll never be able to replace them, and I think it's why I don't bother raving anymore, yeah. because I'm so nostalgic about those two, three years. Every single weekend, pretty much. It, I was discovering myself as a human, as a woman, as a teenager, as an adult, as a, a stylistic person, because I'd only just left uniform school, as a, a musician, as everything. I was like... My confidence, you know, hanging out with older people really helped me. I made so many amazing friends, you know. Like, I was talking about my godson a minute ago, and, you know, I wouldn't have a godson unless I'd been at Raves and met these people. It's just, we're all still very close, and we look after each other, and it's it was one of the most important periods of my life. It always will be. It, it wasn't just, oh, we're not raving, man. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like religious. You, I mean, you say like you know it's that nostalgia, and you, you could you could go clubbing with them exact same people now, and it would not be the same. We've tried, and yeah. we all sit there at the end of the night going, "Why doesn't it work anymore?" Yeah, and I'm like because I've known you all for twelve, yeah, thirteen years. You know, when I used to meet you back then, it we was used all to be played for. Yeah, and we it? used to take the piss out of each other. Like, who's that dick in the corner? She's yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah, you know, who's that knob? She just took the piss out of me when I've only just met her. Yeah, cheeky bitch, but I like her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, like it was that different now it's like if my mate Naomi does that to me I'm like oh shut up do you know what it's, yeah, it's, not, it's just not the same anymore it's, I mean it is sometimes but you can't and you don't have that zest for life you don't have that wow life's all ahead of yeah. me feeling you're like you've seen behind the curtain yeah, I'm uh, gonna feel shit tomorrow yeah. <laughs> um, track six Ellie uh, your favourite song from an artist from your home county Oh, yeah, this was easy because Bowie is essentially from... Yeah. I was like, who can I pick from my home county? Um, that's where you got the hair idea from, Yeah, right? that's where I get, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, who, yeah, I I have to just... It's just easy, isn't it? Bowie, I mean, Fascination. I love that album, Young Americans. I don't love all Bowie albums by any stretch of the imagination, but when he started to make Soul, I was like, yes, mate. Mm. Um, 
I, I really like the fact that he did that for a period. It is my favourite period. I've never been a low... I've never been a nerdy Bowie fan. I'm not that person. But Sound and Vision is sick, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't need much explaining. It's just... It's all about young Americans. Bowie, yeah. It really is all about... It's just... It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. A little bit of Andros as well. Yeah, I know. And I didn't realise that Fascination is that awful song, funky music. It's mm. just a weird cover of it. It's how did you turn something... So how did you hear, hear, hear such a kind of awful... Because yeah. it's really schmaltzy, that song, like the Luther Vandross version. I'm just mm-hmm. thinking, how did you hear that? And yeah. then hear something that's called as Fascination. Yeah. It's, even though it's really similar, it's quite strange. Yeah. Um, did you ever get to meet Bowie? No, no, I didn't. It killed me, absolutely killed me. I can't explain how upset I was when he died. I, I still can't believe it. It's him and George that would really did me in. I was just about to kind of orchestrate meeting both of them as well. I was about to write a letter to Bowie. I'd been writing a letter for about a year, and I just couldn't make it sound right. Whatever I wrote, it didn't sound right. I just felt weird. And obviously I've received loads of fan letters, so I was like, this just sounds like one of those. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it just felt really odd. And then with George Michael, I'd just met his chefs at my hairdresser's party. And... Uh, he's chefs. That's amazing. No, I don't. He's got his own chefs. Of course he's got his own chefs. Hello. Um, living the dream. Uh, he... he yeah, I just met the chefs who were absolutely lovely and they were like, oh, they, I'm sure he'd love you to come round, you know, smoke a joint with him or whatever. And I was like, that's my dream. Don't yeah. say stuff like that. That's my dream. And then uh, he died two weeks later and I cried a lot. Mm. Yeah, him and Bowie. It really hurt. Yeah. really hurt. It was... Uh, it's really weird. Cause I, I, did, I watched the, um, the, the documentary on George that came out about six months after he passed... And I'm of an age where, wow. I can't watch it. Really? I can't. And, like, do you know what? It's like, you just don't be... Oh, it's just how fucking amazing he was. Aside from the pop stuff, which is fucking great. No, he's a legend. He's you, beyond that. Like, um, the minute praying for time starts, I just think, mate, just... He could have just walked away then and gone, right, someone fucking better that. Because that's pure fucking Lennon. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but he's a fucking genius. Mm. I mean, like, just because, like, music and an image is dressed up in a certain way, I think it's very difficult. And I've met people like this, and they're all, they're so stubborn about it, and you just think, God, why are you so fucking miserable? And they're like, oh, but it's not, you know, it's not classy, it's not this, it's not that, it's not intelligent. Yes, it fucking is. It really is. Yeah. You go and listen to I Want Your Sex and yeah. you listen to how many different parts and arrangement things come in that are all equally as good as each other mm. and none of them are superfluous. And I, I test any of those people that don't think that he's a genius. Go and make it. Go and fucking make something. Like, <laughs> yeah. go, fuck off. Do you know what? Go and do it. Go and do yeah. it if you think it's, if you think it's just pop music, because it isn't. And it's not, it's not like father figure. Yeah. Just, I forget even the production and the fact that he produced and arranged everything. It's just a beautiful, beautiful yeah. song. And, like, that all aside... I'm sorry, but the man's like the best vocalist of all time. Like, have you seen that Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me performance of him and Elton John? It's just fucking ridiculous. It's it's so perfect. People couldn't do that now with auto-tune, with 20 vocal takes. You know, it just, it wouldn't happen. Mm. It just wouldn't happen. Like, it's, 
he's amazing. He's also basically per- perfect. Like, whatever he does, it's yeah. basically perfect. Yeah. You know? I mean, apart from that song he did at the Olympics, which was fucking awful. We don't need to worry about that. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Just leave it. <laughs> okay. Um, last track, Ellie. Um, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Um... I've picked this because some people know it, but some people don't. And the fact that some people don't is like a travesty. Mm-hmm. I only actually discovered it two, three years ago. Yeah. Um, I weirdly, I think I heard it on some advert on the television and then I shazammed it. I was like, it was only the one for like five seconds. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Um, but it's called Heaven Must Have Sent You by the Elgins. And I just think if you love like the Eiley Brothers and all that stuff, uh, then you'd want to know about this tune. You'd really want to know about it because it's a real gem in the Motown realm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, we'll put it on the playlist uh, and so people can go and um, discover that. So what's what's happening next, Ellie? What's, what's going on? Album's out. Album's out. I mean, nowadays everything's a bit different, so we finished the campaign I hate that word but we finished we finished essentially um is that you doing stuff like this is that basically the campaign? yeah yeah. Is it? yeah basically yeah yeah <laughs> you can't be talking to people about your album <laughs> um you know I've I've gone I've done American promo I've done European promo I've done I've done all my bits I need to do I've made all the assets the videos the magazine the merchandise all that stuff I've had such a fun in designing working with Matt Maitland and all the art direction has been incredible but we've been doing it since last April, May, and it's really just been working up until release, so you work into release now, and then once it's released, you know, because everything's on Spotify or whatever, it's just very different now. There's no point, really. There's no sense in over-promoting it after this, really. It's all about the release, so um, for me, it's just about making more music and coming back and not having these gaps in my life anymore. Um, I've actually was working on a new tune yesterday, um, and I've got... I've got actually a lot of music to make in the next few weeks. I'm doing quite a lot of different projects at the moment. I've got a lot of different things on the go and I really need to stay on top of it. So I'm actually quite glad. Unfortunately, we had to move our American tour that we had going on like now until the end of the year. Um, So yeah, we we moved that to autumn, but it's actually a good thing for me creatively. Obviously it's a bit shit for fans, but it's better in the long run. But creatively, I think it's a much better idea because it means now I can just focus and get back to writing. I really would like to release quite a lot of music this year. Like, I'm looking to release, I could possibly be releasing, I don't know, I don't want to say numbers, but there's quite a lot going on, and yeah. it's, it's none of it can not come out, you know, in, in over And there's a year. no rules anymore, you can do what you want, can't no, you? No, I just, there's no need for me, I've found my flow now, I think it's really important for me to prove as well that this wasn't, like this, this was, even though it looks like the same period again like the same reason why there's been five years it's nowhere near the same reason why there's been five years and that's really important to me to prove that because it's not because I take five years to make albums which I've kind of already proven by making this in four or five months but in order to believe that that happened yeah I think people need to see that I have the reason why that suddenly happened is because I found my way now and therefore there's nothing that can stop me so I just want to get on really festivals yeah, we've got a lot of festivals. Uh, the most of them about to be confirmed in the next couple of weeks. I don't know which ones I'm allowed to talk about. I think Latitude's been released. I think yep. I'm allowed to talk about that one. You're definitely on, on the poster. I'm definitely on the poster for that it's, one. I'm making my festival debut with this at Latitude as Are well, you? so I'm very excited. Oh, yeah. brilliant! Okay, well I'll see you there. Um, Absolutely. 
yeah, that, you know, loads of European ones, a couple of American ones, um, you know, the usual. And then, yeah, we're touring all, all autumn. So, yeah. Wonderful. If people want to find out about those dates and the album and everything else that you're up to, where's the best place? Uh, either on my website, which I think is larue.co.uk, it should be, um, or the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's got all the information you need on it all the time. Lovely. Ellie, thanks loads, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. There you go. Told you at the beginning that was going to be a great chat. Um, yeah, Ellie was a, an absolute delight. Um, it was it was so nice to get to, to chat to someone. And it's always even better when it's somebody that you, you know, you really admire. You know, uh, Ellie's music's been, you know, something of a, a constant in in recent years and I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. So it's really nice to, to get to sit down with these people and, and, and they be really lovely as well. So, um, yeah, um, hope you got as much enjoyment listening as, as, as I did, um, chatting to Ellie. Um, I'm back next week with another episode. Um, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, if that's, um, if that's too long to wait, then go and have a look in the back catalog because there's, there's over a hundred episodes, uh, so go and get stuck in over there. And if you see us on the, the social medias, please give us a like, love, share, retweet. You know, all that jazz. Um, and also, the best thing to do is subscribe. Please go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. Um, and, yeah, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, good or bad. I'm, uh, I'm all ears. All right, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine it's called pod bible now pod bible is the new essential guide to podcasts it's put together alongside spotify and acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about i mean in the first edition there's interviews with adam buxton interviews with craig parkinson um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu Whipping. Hey,